Um, all right, Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. Yes. <laughs> this is a fun one for y'all. Yes. I forgot what the last one we did was. If it was sad, it was the racism one. Yeah, that was kind of sad. It was kind of a was, bummer. Yeah. yeah, not not great. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, this movie is full of cheery prognostication. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna have a lot good. of implications about the uh, about the profession that says, you know, being a lawyer is grand. Yeah, yeah there's a sunshine uh, civil trial, a lot of victory, fulfilling work. Yeah, look, the plaintiffs win here, so that's good. Right. They, they don't really win. They just kind of. Really, the defendants lose a lot more than the plaintiffs win. And, and the protagonist goes on a, a journey of self-discovery, right? That's, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and a journey of regular discovery also. I looked back at the building, and I had the most stunning moment of clarity. I, 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 I realized, Michael, that I had emerged not through the doors of Keller Bacalodine, not through the portals of our vast and powerful offer, but from the asshole of an organism whose sole function is to excrete the the, the, the poison, the ammo, the defoliant necessary for other, larger, more powerful organisms to destroy the miracle of humanity. And that I had been coated in this patina of shit for the best part of my life. The stench of it and the stain of it would in all likelihood take the rest of my life to undo. And you know what I did? I took a deep cleansing breath and I set that notion aside. I tabled it. I said to myself, as clear as this may be, as potent a feeling as this is, as true a thing as I believe that I have witnessed today, it must wait. It must stand the test of time. And Michael, the time is now. More important that the lawyer learns something than that any of the litigants get anything that they <laughs> that, That's yeah. right. That's what really matters. Right. Although, I, you know, again, I, I think, as noted, it's not so much that the plaintiffs win uh, as, as much as they get sold out by their lawyers who are uh, trying to triangulate the optimal fee award. Uh, from what I can tell, right? <laughs> right. Even, even, even better. It uh, would be so funny. We haven't discussed the movie at all yet, but it would be funny to see the Michael Clayton from all the plaintiffs' attorneys' point of view. Right. It's like, oh shit, Peter! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're getting big, guys. Oh <laughs> my hours fucking god! Set a bar. That shit would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it would just, it would be, it would be a Zoom call just like this, and just like, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> this fucking guy just got his dick out and chased the plaintiff through the parking lot for thirty minutes, saying, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, Fred, I think he's calling one of your clients. Just keep an eye out on her. <laughs> although you know i mean now that you mention it one of the reasons for talking about this movie is that it is a fairly realistic uh depiction of lawyer careers and lawyer behavior um but i do think it is sort of fantastical that the senior partner uh, on the case you've been trying for six years uh, strips naked, and then you decide to settle at a discount. Um, <laughs> I, I, if I was the plaintiffs, I would not. Uh, yeah, would it's not going up. Anything. <laughs> For any of our listeners who have not yet watched, uh, you've made a huge mistake. But uh, yeah, denying yourself yeah. the pleasure of this movie. It is a very well done movie. Yeah, like, it's apart from everything movie. else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there will be there will be spoilers if that is a thing you care about for this fifteen year old movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please turn off the podcast now uh, if you don't like spoilers. Although, you know, M- Michael uh, 
Alab Michael, not Michael Clayton, right. uh, has long held out that this is one of his favorite movies. As it is. Uh, as Julius uh, also, right? Yeah, uh, has long uh, had this on as one of his favorites. What's funny is. Uh, I actually never cared much for the movie. I saw it once, and then you guys were talking it up, and I finally streamed it uh, on my Twitch uh, about a, you know maybe six months ago or something. Yeah, uh, and I still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that makes sense. In fact, sense. I like it less. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, for, I mean, me. I think, yeah, I think we're gonna get into why yeah. you probably yeah. don't like it. <laughs> let me just say, I don't know how realistic parts of it are. <laughs> let me guess. Let me guess. Is it the parts where the general counsel for the uh, of a company is the villain? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Representation matters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're they're depicting the general counsel of a major multinational corporation as a pale, paunchy, clammy, obviously mentally ill, That's right. uh, and through and through evil. And you know, frankly, I don't know. Not very realistic, as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think on on the other hand that the attorney who like has some skills but is like not really ever going to make it and is kind of more living in his own mind as glory but not actually doesn't actually have the chops he believes he does and isn't right. really ever going to like break the you know break the cloud ceiling there and, and, and into you know real career stardom uh, that that guy's the hero, man. I fucking that's I believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's one hundred percent. Well, I mean, as a seems uh, right to me. Yeah, someone with bipolar who who worked in big law, Arthur was definitely a hero of mine. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, that's right. You can have mental illness and be a total badass litigator, and when push comes to shove, do the right thing in the dumbest way it, possible. As, as, as we'll a discuss. shady partner of a law firm that looks like John Podesta, I, I found somebody else in the film. That... <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So if you don't know anything about Michael Clayton, I honestly turn the fucking podcast off. But uh, so Michael Clayton, the the overall story, the background is that there is a kind of Monsanto clone uh, corporation which is being sued for a weed killer, uh, which is a stand-in, I'm sure, for Roundup or something. Uh, and it, you know, apparently causes cancer. And that is the backdrop to all the action that happens in the movie. Our, our hero, uh, Michael Clayton, is an attorney for uh, the U North's uh, law firm defending them right in this well the, this the just just to be clear the law firm they hired Kenner I forget the name Kenner of it, Bach but, and Ladine yeah Kenner yeah. Bach That's so so they have general counsel but obviously they hired a, a law firm for right. the litigation as well which which is uh very realistic general counsel in my experience right. don't it, do shit no, they don't. <laughs> I'm not going to go to fucking trial. I mean, that's not even like you can't even like take a dig at general counsel about being like, how come they're not cross-examining the witness? They got shit to do. <laughs> not to back up Tarek anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but actually, in my in my notes, you know, I, I I did just you know do my joke about them being paunchy and clammy and crazy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, I mean, there, there is a there is a, a very early section when the, when uh, Karen. Uh, the general counsel played by uh, Tilda Swinton is introduced uh, and she's giving an interview uh, with her CEO and she's talking about what the legal department does. And she says, uh, you know, it's her job to determine the jurisdiction 
and outsourced to the right firm. That's right. Uh, and again, absolutely <laughs> outrageous characterization. <laughs> Completely outrageous characterization of what I do. I also send a lot of emails that's and right. tell other people not to send emails. That's, that's uh, an important you know, other text, And many other valuable uh, aspects of a general counsel's day-to-day work. All I know is the... Uh, as those watching these opening scenes where Tilda Swinton is preparing for that interview and has just like sweat through her shirt, she has like these yeah. awful pit stains. <laughs> I was just like, this must be how Tarek starts every day. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. hiding just, in a stall, a... <laughs> hiding in the just, just freaking just out, just writhing around in an <laughs> yeah. office bathroom somewhere. Yeah, uh, just yeah. overcome with, Although, with, with anxiety. Although, less of a sense of urgency, I mean. It's just kind of a, a normal day. Yeah, feeling my lymph nodes and pouring with sweat. Yeah, yeah that's until that's he logs onto Twitter and then everything just yeah. mellows out. Everything levels. That's out. what if if Karen had had a Twitter, she would have been in a mm-hmm. much better position. Mm-hmm. Now okay. you know why. I, now you know why 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 I am the way I am online. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay, so the movie so the movie starts setting the table with the characters. We get uh, it opens on this bizarre monologue that you won't understand until much later, which is Arthur spilling his guts uh, and sounding like a complete nut job, which he kind of is mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Uh, however, he's the only real moral character in the movie, and later this will have a lot more force to it. Um, we get a lot of establishment stuff with uh, Michael Clayton, George Clooney's character. Um, we're told that he's like this kind of fixer for the firm. It's- he's like a shadowy figure that, that gets stuff done. Right. Yeah, he's not in the courtroom, but he makes things go away yeah. for the firm's powerful clients. Yeah. The movie has him at the start driving to a, a richer person's house. He had just hit somebody and yeah. drove off. Up which, in like uh, Westchester. Yeah. Know, like yeah. a Tony yeah. New York suburb. And yeah. And he's he's there to like make it all better. Right. Yeah, I mean that's a great I mean that that's a great sort of establishing scene with Clooney because you don't see anything I mean you see he's a nice car and he's dressed well. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's he's in some back alley poker game right. uh, in Chinatown yeah. or something. Yeah, he's he's right. doing some uh, weird gambling vice, which I think yeah. is like one of the lamest vices to have as a lawyer. Like, you know, drugs yeah. obviously they they alter your consciousness whatever. Sex makes sense. Gambling is like you, you already kind of gamble a lot of money in your in your day to day job. That's like having winning arguments as a as a vice as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 gambling and he's getting sort of heckled by uh, some greaseball. Oh yeah, or some, he's getting fucking yeah. wrecked by that guy. Yeah, it's yeah. always sunny character just kind of yelling at him. Yeah, and and he gets the call uh, and has to drive up up uh, upstate, uh, as you said, to pop probably Westchester to 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 bail out some long-standing firm clients uh, who's apparently engaged in a hit-and-run mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now wants the big firm that he's spent you know millions of dollars on behalf of his company for to come uh, send him a magic man to come make it all go away. I will say that my, my experience of this, so I watched this movie long before I ever thought about going to law school, and then I watched it as an attorney now, and I don't think I watched it at all in between. Um, my first experience of this scene was like, man, this guy's fucking badass. He tells it like it is. He says really mm-hmm. sharp things. I mean, the yeah. script is extremely tight in this movie. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he just says these sort of devastating things and takes this guy at this extremely rich house and dresses him down and reduces him to fucking ash uh, and makes him look like a piece of shit. And I was like, man, what a fucking badass. Watching it now as an attorney, it's the first sign you get that this guy is not who he thinks. This guy's not. He didn't really have the chops to be the big partner that he wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Because this is a firm's 
fucking client, and he's just taking a fucking shit on him. Right. And that is right. not like maybe you're there to fix stuff, and maybe the guy did do some fucked up stuff, but there is no way that that is what uh, yeah. your rich firm wants you to do. They don't give a fuck if your client did some awful stuff. You don't get to dress them down like this. You make things soft and and easy for them. Well, yeah. well, well I'll take. I'll say two things. First of all, that Dennis O'Hare who plays the rich asshole fucking nails it. He's, he's oh yeah, <laughs> everyone, everyone oh, does. nails it. It's he, like that, yeah. you, it's, you want to murder him within thirty seconds. Yeah. Which is just, so there, he's killing it. there's a real thrill in watching Michael Clayton just like fucking tear him apart. Um, that being said. In defense of the fictional character Michael Clayton, as we later learn, he's going to this job after, like, a lot of serious trauma in which he is, like, basically, like, sold his soul in a way he never imagined, right? Right. So I think he's – I think his relationship with the, fir- with the firm at that point was – on, on the rocks, you know, right. <laughs> and maybe yeah, he wasn't sure. at I his mean, best. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I mean, it sort of starts in media res, right? right. And then flips back after this opening scene yeah. uh, to four days, four days prior. It, it is like a Tarantino movie, but a legal thriller yeah. instead right. of an action movie. But like, it is true. Like what you don't realize as you first see him is that he is really on the edge. Right. right. But there's a great, there's a great thing with, with the rich guy that he goes up to, to tell, you know, basically tell him he's fucked. Right. Uh, you know, hire a local lawyer, call it, <laughs> turn yourself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, this isn't the kind of thing you can just make go away. There's no, there's no magic bullet. But the, the funny thing is, is that while he's talking to him, the, 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 the a phone, the phone starts ringing and the rich guy says, you know, is that the police? Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Clayton tells him, no, they don't call. <laughs> You know, and I, <laughs> I think it's that is you know there's that's a def, sort of a defining way that the movie is smart and that it sort of just shows how completely unprepared the rich guy is for this right and how the information or the the sort of things that Michael Clayton can do are mostly just kind of things like telling you. You're fucked. <laughs> right. right. And, and I can connect you with, like, the right people for mitigating that to the extent as possible. But you're... But mostly right. this is going to be a bunch of bad right. news for you. And there's not a lot you can do about he, it. Like, right. He describes, like, the, like the guy's Benz is, like, hand-rubbed custom paint or whatever. Like, the, <laughs> the way he goes through it, it's just... It's fantastic. It's such a great scene. Right. It, it really is. Cops like hit and runs. They work them hard, they clear them fast. Right now there's a BCI unit pulling paint chips off a guardrail. Tomorrow they're gonna to be looking for the owner of a custom painted, hand rubbed Jaguar XJ12. And the guy you hit, if you gotta look at the plates, it won't even take that long. There's no play here. There's no angle, there's no champagne room. I'm not a miracle worker, I'm a janitor. The math on this is simple. The smaller the mess, the easier it is for me to clean up. That's the police, isn't it? No. They don't call. Okay, so that's so so Michael gets introduced. We have that establishing scene. We also find out that he's divorced. He's got like a kid that he's a little estranged from. Uh, he owes money. Uh, he ha- he went into a, a venture with his. Uh, with his brother that didn't work out they try to have a bar uh, and then all the stuff's getting auctioned off and he's he's into the mob for some money because he took out a loan from them um, but what all this together essentially establishes he, with the gambling that Tim was talking about earlier is something that you see very common 
whether it, not necessarily the mob debt and the gambling and stuff, but just like the the senior practicing attorney who's not going to make partner and who has the golden handcuffs on. They for some reason have a debt. They they bought they bit off more than they could chew with the house. They got an addition to the house that has you know heated tile floors and they can't you know they're going to be making payments on it and they can't leave their fucking job. They're stuck. And so yeah. these things just establish those chains for Michael Clayton. He he's into some people for some money. There's mm-hmm. no way he's miserable in, at his job, but he ain't going anywhere. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tread dra- dangerously close to one of those articles about how hard it is to live on five hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> <in the> year. <laughs> but <laughs> you listen but. to a bunch of fucking lawyers on a podcast. If you're not ready for yeah. that, sorry, you better tune out. But yeah. it it is it, it, it this isn't. A cra- I mean, I don't know that many white shoe major law firms have guys like this who used to be a DA with cop brother who go around fixing stuff like this. But there, there definitely is. Uh, this is a this is a real thing in the law, right? Yeah. This, this kind of Absolutely. service partner, you know, who makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, doesn't bring in clients, has no equity, kind of lives paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. because his habits. And his expenses uh, are just way out of whack with uh, with his salary, right? I mean, you, you 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 can read some some articles about this archetype of person, uh, and I think the movie is very smart in a way that it kind of centers around a guy who, again, has a seemingly nice car and works at a major law firm, but really is just. Uh, circling the drain there's a lot of these guys out there i mean they don't all they're not all as cool they're not all as handsome as uh, george clooney but this (laughs) archetype out there is a real person for sure for sure and and like later on you learn like like the car isn't even his right it's the firms Mm -hmm. which feels very real and and part of your expenses are like you know you can't be a special counsel or or like a non-equity partner at a big firm and roll up in like you know a suit that you bought at men's warehouse right <laughs> like yeah. like you're expected to like you know like look the part right you have to wear expensive clothes and you're you go to expensive dinners and you do whatever the firm like expects of you it's it's, it's an expensive lifestyle it, yeah it, and, also- and- and Marty, the partner, just to, just to quickly, uh, he's the kind of guy that knows that stuff and has the money mm-hmm. to, like, you can tell that he, he blows that money on Michael, like, knowing that that's better for the firm than having Michael kind of look like how he would if, if he had to buy his own suits. Right. Well, so so I think I think it's also interesting, though, to bring up Marty here, because the, the film's, you know, particular plot points aside, another piece of this archetype is that the money-making partners with the big books of business who hog it mm-hmm. and don't and don't you know parcel that shit out to anybody and aren't going to turn it over until they're eighty-five. Bad news for you if you if they told you that they were going to do that, they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, them taking on certain people and kind of using them right. is also a very real part of the profession. So Michael's job here now again this is a little bit theatrical, but Michael's job here is to go and give the bad news to clients. Right. You ain't building a fucking book of business off of that job. No. Right? No, right. You just right. go and shit in the client's mouth. They're not calling you tomorrow for what what other kind of business can we throw your way? But the right. firm need you know in this in this idea the firm needs somebody like that. Now again, this is a theatrical role, but law firms do have people where partners are like I need this person as part of my business, yeah. but you're not getting the fucking book of business. You're just, you know, you're riding along. Right. There's some great scenes with this later, you know. In fact, you know, this is what drove Clayton into debt. Right, which is that he knew he had no real future at the firm and was right. sort of, 
you know, at, beholden to the whims of, of the Martys and, and, you know, mergers that the firm might undergo later. And so he wanted something for himself, right? He right. wanted yeah. a backup plan, and he decided to open a bar with his druggy brother, which <laughs> turns out didn't. didn't Drove off the fucking cliff. So great. Right. But, yeah. you know, the, the fact is uh, Clayton is the kind of guy who is hitting up his boss for an $80,000 bonus to cover his uh, – Gambling uh, or not debts. Gambling debt. His, uh, his yeah. debts other to the mob. Debt. His other debt. Yeah. Right. His, his <laughs> restaurant, failed restaurant debts. Right. And Marty's, Marty, his boss, is a guy who's living in a whole ass townhouse in Manhattan, right. which you see. Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. There's, there is a higher, we think of law firms as fairly flat structures, but there definitely is a hierarchy. I mean, Marty Bach is the name partner, right? Kenny right. Bach yeah. and Ledeen. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the other thing is like, Michael Michael is a sort of guy who, given his background, I guess it's not surprising, but like when he needs money, he's getting a loan from some shady guys, right? right. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. that, that posed like pr- a real risk to him or his brother if he can't pay up as opposed to like going to the fucking bank. Right, like, it is kind of funny that like for the former DA to be hitting up the mob, that's got to like bring a sweet smile to your face. Yeah. <laughs> that's the guy loading the money. That 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 shark was really happy that day. I'm sure. Okay, so then we so so let's we, we've established Michael. We also then right. have we talked a little bit about Karen Crowder. But yeah, that's that's who they establish next. Is she's really like the metastasized gunner that lets that that aspect of being a lawyer kind of run your whole career. Mm-hmm. Where they show her like practicing that interview like compulsively, not just like right. uh, uh, you know going over it with index cards. She's like literally going over it in her head over and over again while she's getting ready. Right, and it, it does a really good. I mean, it's just it's pretty easy cinematography, but really good how they cut to her kind of anxiously doing that, you know, in front of the bathroom mirror. Wait, 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 wait. As a guy who has to do a lot of oral arguments, is that are we are we are we talking on that? Talking, to, <laughs> talking, to, talking to yourself in the mirror, nervously rehearsing. Things that might come up. Well, you can you can uh, you can take from that what you want. <laughs> I'm actually going to say I I find this somewhat unrealistic. Oh, yeah, right? This is sure. just some puff in puff interview. Uh, the, 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 That's true. Your normal yeah. your normal GC. Is it was just like go for company like right? it was like their stuff, right? Like it was just yeah, it was probably like, like their, their internal YouTube magazine or something. Like if you screw up, they would just cut it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but uh, you know it is. She is, you know, inheriting a big role, right? That uh, right. It's I get being nervous. I don't know. I get yeah, it. but well, and, and what it establishes is personality like, that exists. She, she would do anything for for to keep her job. I find yeah. I find she Karen really interesting as even. like a as like an as like an interesting mirror to Michael Clayton in a certain way, right? She she perhaps is a little bit more successful uh, on the outside, but what happens here, right? Like. She hasn't been general counsel for eight years. This lawsuit that we've talked right. about has been going on for eight years. And we know right. for a fact that her former boss, Don Jeffries, who is now on the board of the company, we know what we'll get to later. He's the CEO. He's the CEO now. I, know, I thought he was just on the board. So he signed yeah, no, So he signed yeah. the fucking he signed the fatal smoking gun memo that we're gonna talk about <laughs> later. And then turned over to her, right? Like, okay, well, you mop yeah. up all the shit here. This is your lawsuit right. is your fucking problem now, and I find that kind of it's an interesting parallel between her character and Michael Clayton's character. And, and, and I do want to say that this is also something that I found very realistic. Um, with apologies to Tark, but again, in my experience, when we were like 
you know, I was doing white collar criminal defense. We'd be looking through our clients' shit, and you'd find like the GC signed off, like personally signed off, <laughs> on <laughs> unbelievable stuff. You'd be like, "Are you fucking serious with this?" Like, 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 even yeah. made, not just signed off, but like made suggestions. I acknowledge <laughs> like, we are injecting AIDS into four year olds. No problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. like it's unreal. What what they? I mean, what it is is what they think they can get away with, right? Like they're. Yeah. You know, that's that's well, because uh, they're also because they're under pressure, right? Like it, their right. job is is predicated on on making it all seem like it's OK. And if you start telling your your employer like, hey, you can't do that, you're going to be out of a job pretty quick. Right. So there's there's a couple things with Karen um, in that in that sort of establishing couple of shots with the, with the interview in particular. Number one, there's a, one thing. One part I love is where they ask her, you know, how do you maintain work life balance? Right. And yeah. on the one hand, you know, it's ridiculous when you consider the next character that we get into, Arthur, who's, you know, build what, like 30,000 hours Some in the past insane six amount, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like she, you know, in-house, one of the good things is, you know, there is a bit more balance sometimes. Um, but what she says is, you know, work-life balance is, is, is just when you're when you're doing what you really enjoy. She's a cope you know? answer. That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. balance. <laughs> and I, I will say, I, I, without naming names, I I, I was uh, in a in a meeting with a, a general counsel of a large uh, multinational organization, not my current one. Um, and somebody asked him, uh, somebody in the legal department asked him, uh, well, how does one maintain work life balance in this kind of job? And he's he he told this whole story about. How it was a Fourth of July, and he was out at his summer house, and he was in the hot tub. But then he got an email that he had to answer, so he got on the iPad in the hot tub and answered the email. So you see, if you just sit in the hot tub and then do your emails from the Hamptons hot tub, there's a balance. You know, there's the email, but there's the Hamptons hot tub. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is funny how these clowns, uh, you know, kind of have. Have no idea uh, what the what the people like Arthur and and even Michael Clayton, you know, are going through. Uh, the other the other thing from that is, uh, I will note that the uh, CEO of U North was the former general counsel, as we said, uh, also highly realistic. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but GCs are frequently yeah. appointed to run the run the company because everybody uh, knows and, their value. <laughs> yeah, and because 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 exactly. So you guys better be nice to me. As long as <laughs> that's that. right. That's right. The fact is, like in any in any company, I don't care what what it is. Like the general counsel, the lawyers are like one of the few people that can write in English, right? Even in an American <laughs> yeah. company, you yeah. know. So the fact that you can actually write a complete sentence uh, and you have a sort of a three sixty view of the company, it's not unusual. Six years, Michael. Six years I've absorbed this poison. 400 depositions, 100 motions, five changes of venue, 85,000 documents in discovery. Six years of scheming and stalling and screaming. And what have I got? I spent 12% of my life defending the reputation of a deadly weak killer. Yeah, so the third, the third kind of major attorney we, we see most of is Arthur, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Karen and Michael, who are kind of, you can see them kind of beginning to, to have the spinning plates start to wobble. Uh, Arthur's taking those plates and just smashed them <laughs> in the ground. Yeah. Uh, I love him so much. 
I relate to this guy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think most lawyers probably would relate to him in one way or another. Wait, wait, really? I I mean, mean, I feel like Arthur is the least realistic uh, of the arc here because this is a guy who has it made. I mean, we, you know, he, he was, we don't see him on screen doing this stuff, but he refers to being basically the exact same kind of guy in the iPad, you know, with the iPad and the hot tub sort of guy, but then he goes off his meds, and we only see him post-meds release, but the art, but the, the lawyer with the heart of gold, that's that's the guy you think is real? No, no, I, I, think, I think the litigation partner who is making an absolute pile of money but working himself into uh, insanity. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, exactly, and, that's exactly how and, I'm picking up yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and either a actual infarction or uh, you know, a faked one that was, you know, b- brought upon by assassins, you know, leaving that aside, <laughs> you know, a heart attack and or, you know, kind of working himself into the into the nut house. Yeah, I think I've I've met. This OK, guy. OK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. OK. And now you I know. understand where you're coming from. And, and, yeah, I, you know. and a lot of those guys at big firms, they do have mental illness of one form or another. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh, and for they, sure. And they are all, they are all working for a Marty, you yeah. know, whose whole right. job is to is to schmooze clients and hang around and mm-hmm. have the other guy that you know does the NDAs with his employees, <laughs> as we'll get to. But you know, I mean, Arthur as kind of the money making, billing you know thirty thousand hours as a partner over over six years, mm-hmm. I find him to be a fair. No, I, I definitely character. agree with the like like for instance, Michael was saying like the yeah. the 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 workhorse with mental illness that the. That, but who's that, ma- that, that who's, the profession who's, who's, prides themselves on turning into they, they just they use these people as workhorses they you know might burn off every single personal relationship in their life uh, oftentimes they can be on uppers and they'll just work till three in the morning every fucking night and you're like how the fuck are you possibly doing this and uh, yeah the profession is just gonna ride you until you die that, that yeah. I, I want to say that I think that was my career but my 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 run out was like four years. <laughs> like that was it. That was I was a workhorse with mental had illness. Different ideas. Yeah, and uh, I hit my end, and it was long before uh, partnership. And I am very right. thankful for that. But yeah, absolutely. and and I do think just just kind of speaking broadly, Arthur's actions aren't really ones of heroism; they're of desperation. Like I think he yeah. just kind of finally hit the wall and was like, "I need out," and that that was how he thought he would get out. Yeah, I think what becomes clear is he he's envisioning himself as a hero, but what he's really looking for is like absolution, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And, like, he, and to get fucked. I and, think. Yeah, and, yeah, and to, to get to, he wants he also wants to fuck. He does want to. Yeah, he he strikes me more as somebody that would want to cuddle like four times before yeah. anything happens. So Arthur, when he's introduced. Um, like I said at the beginning, he has this like bizarre monologue. But so there's this litigation going on with you North that we've been talking about. Uh, it's about the cancerous weed killer. This litigation was going on for six, eight years, something like that. Uh, there's been multiple changes in venue. You, you get this rundown at one point about all this uh, long motion practice, eighty-five thousand documents produced, four hundred depositions, a hundred motions. Um, so the, this the is the least vi- realistic part of that is the eighty-five thousand documents. That would be in the hundreds. Of Unbelievable! Yeah, millions. I was like, yeah. "What the fuck are you talking about?" This is <laughs> yeah, I was like, "That's not bad." I did a million document <laughs> doc like review in like yeah. two months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was fucking brutal. <laughs> one thing we do understand from later is that uh, some of the documents pre-internet age may have, unfortunately and certainly not willfully, been lost in a warehouse fire. Right. That's <laughs> shocking. shocking. So some of the relevant documents may have been misplaced. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe through that's no why fault it's so of you North's own at all. Right, of course, of course. So yeah, so this this litigation is going on forever and, and 
Tark was saying this guy's working himself to death. He's working himself to death on this case. He snaps, and then uh, he decides to go out on this trip for some continuing depositions. Now, this late in the case, uh, the kind of depositions that they're doing are like per are like the each plaintiff has to be deposed. So, uh, class action mm-hmm. litigation like this, you got to look at every plaintiff who's joined, and you have to find out like. Okay, well, how are, this is a template deposition. Somebody hands it to you that was drafted, you know, three years ago, and uh, you just you're a junior attorney, and you have to go take a Monday through Thursday trip out to wherever, and then you you sit across from opposing counsel and you say, okay, well, when were you exposed, or how was your family exposed? What, how, how how do you know that? How much were they exposed? How often? What symptoms were there? What treatments did you get? And you go through this entire template. I'm sure the you know, I'm sure the four of us could draft this template. Uh, in in mm-hmm. fucking an hour, uh, but right. you have to go out. It's robotic. It's it's annoying and uh, it's soul killing. And so, but but what's really weird here uh, is that the senior litigating partner on the case goes on this trip, and you find out it's right. weird. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not a lawyer, you find out that it's weird because uh, Michael Clayton. I think Michael asked that. Yeah, M- Michael Clayton that comes in. He walks in the door. Right. There's a there's a big there's an incident at the deposition where Arthur starts screaming on camera and starts taking his fucking clothes off and chasing the plaintiffs out into the parking lot with his dick hanging out <laughs> and saying he's sorry. I'm sorry. I'm in love with you. We're telling uh, telling her he loves her. Right. Yeah. So this, this is like a teenager, by the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Teenage yeah. girl. She's a very young. Uh, rural woman. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, like some some of the great verisimilitude in this portion of the film. So uh, <laughs> yeah. they're out. Terry speaking from experience, I guess. Here. Yeah. <laughs> having having stripped naked in multiple depositions. Let me just say, having yeah, taken no, a lot. Uh, of, oh, I was going to say, Tark having taken a lot of hits as a GC is now ready to to, <laughs> to yeah. aim his sights yeah. at litigating attorneys. I got to say, yeah. if you're in your spring semester now and you're preparing for your PR exam. This is a no no. <laughs> do yeah. not do not if if yeah. this is on the hypo, that's a that's a hard no. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 Do not do not strip naked and attempt to communicate Arthur with a party. A, lot of things. a party you know to re- to be represented. Yeah. Arthur does a lot yeah. of things apart from the obvious kind of counter strategy for the for the plaintiffs that are definitely uh well outside the bounds of professional. Questionable. Like yeah. T- talking mm-hmm. talking to a fellow uh partner's child. Not great. Uh yeah, on the phone. Yeah. A lot of boundary issues. Yeah, a lot of... So what happens here, um, Michael goes in after this whole fucking debacle, and he, he goes into the hotel room where all the junior attorneys are, and he's like, okay, what the fuck's happening here? And they all tell him, and he says, well, where's Arthur's stuff? I gotta get his stuff. I gotta go get Arthur. And they say, well, what do we do with the depositions? He goes, you keep fucking taking them. What are you talking about? But one of the questions <laughs> right. he asks is, what was Arthur doing here? Because right. there's no reason for a senior litigation partner to be attending the template deposition of Plaintiff 399. Right. I mean, this is all obvious shit that doesn't need his attention at all. Yeah, but again, I, what I was saying is that the, the nice piece of verisimilitude there is that they're all like in a Marriott. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like, That's you true. Know. They're all in one suite. That's true. I like this scene uh, right before that too, where Karen's trying to figure out who Michael Clayton is, and like she's getting some like first year with like uh, who definitely has like a ton of like notorious RBG merch to just kind of like look up Michael's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that that character is like such a good uh, archetype of like low level associates. I had such a skewed idea of travel because the first case I I was on was a uh, massive, and I went to Dubai and I flew like business Emirates stayed at the fucking Ritz. It was killer. (laughs) Uh, And then my second trip was to like Missouri. 
And I was staying yeah. at like, yeah, like a Marriott or like like a courtyard. Yeah, I've done a lot of airport Sheridans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like a very much a wake up call of like what most even big firm travel is like for for. And at seven in the morning, down in the lobby, it's a bunch of other people in suits all waiting for the fucking printer for the thing that they left, and like, yeah, it exactly. fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My road warrior uh, stuff for for the wall has been extremely bleak. Like I know how Jefferson City, Missouri, is equidistant between the two major airports that service it. So <laughs> <laughs> it requires a three-hour drive, no matter no where matter you fly. You, know? <laughs> you didn't hire this guy because of his low-key regularity. You hired him because he's a killer and because he's brilliant and because he's crazy enough to grind away on a case like this for six years without a break. Excuse me, we pay for his time. I thought you wanted an explanation. In the morning, I'm calling Marty Bach. But then you know that. Thank you, Michael. So something that's interesting here is that, like, Karen is like, what the fuck is happening here? And she's, you know, she's talking to the, she's talking to the assistant and they're trying to figure out Michael Clayton's coming. Michael Clayton's coming is totally unsatisfying to her because she's been paying an enormous amount of money to their firm. And so you North wants, like, somebody to, you know, figure out what the fuck happened here and assure them that it's going to be okay and what's, you know, what the next steps are. And she's, she's totally unsatisfied. I will say that, like, Obviously, all that stuff's going to happen, but the idea that they stick with the firm at that point is... I don't know enough about this to say that it wouldn't happen. All I know is that for sure, every firm in the world wants this fucking case. All the big firms are like absolutely going to be in her ear because this is going to get around, and this is going to be on (laughs) fucking Law 360 tomorrow. And you are going to be getting cold called by every litigation partner uh, at Covington, General Block, every fucking place, going, uh, Karen, listen, it seems like you're having some trouble with your accounts. If, you, if you're looking for somebody to actually wrap this fucking thing up, you know, give me a call because I, I don't <laughs> right. think you're getting the service that you guys deserve. Right. Uh, well, I, I'll say, the, the one thing I'll say is I think this entire movie takes place in the span of like four days. Yeah. Uh, so that might be why. Like, if shit hadn't gone off the rails, like, within a week, they, that might have been the outcome. Right? right, but um, rather than getting Karen, new counsel, Karen, Karen makes in, some other decisions. <laughs> Karen goes <laughs> another way with this. <laughs> Moving a file like that, I mean, again, like some cost fallacy and other things. I mean, that would be pretty big. I mean, now obviously, I've never actually even heard of somebody coming close to this kind of malpractice. I mean, I, stripping well, naked the file, and chasing the file, a I, I actually yeah. think the file can be shrunk down to uh, the, you know twenty five pages. Once you turn that fucking memo over, you don't have to look at the rest of the shit. There's nothing else to say yeah. once you find the secret memo. Well, she yeah. didn't want to turn the memo over. So that's probably <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of a big issue there. <laughs> right, Fair right, enough. right. I gotta say, if I'm Karen, uh, I realize I got these guys now. Uh, I got malpractice suit hanging on. Yeah, I'm ready. That's like uh, my ass is covered. All the cost of it. That's six years. One of, of, one of their one of their guys have the smoking gun memo in their hand. Uh, you know, I, I feel like at a minimum, I'm getting a pretty good discount on the rates. Uh, after the fact, uh, I don't know. I might I might stick with Marty. I don't know. You <laughs> might want to do the math on whether that's going to pan out. <laughs> I got some leverage. I've been on a case where, like, another law firm came on, um, and I I, I think what would happen is that they wouldn't fire Kenner Bach, but they would bring another. They'd bring on second counsel. They'd bring on second counsel, who would then be lead, 
right? I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've done that to people. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's right. the way that works. <laughs> Work. This isn't. This is no reflection on you. But we're bringing <laughs> in. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've heard. We that. think we need some more. Some more resources. On I've heard this. that yes. from buddies uh, of beers before. Yeah. Of just going, yep, yeah, my guy got the. He got the case. Now they're just fucking backseating us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Michael Clayton meets with Tilda Swinton again, the bedside manner is fucking is lacking here. Okay. This absolutely. Is, <laughs> this it's is, wanting. Yes, <laughs> and this is back in time, so he's not under under. This is a no, fucking is disaster, him. and his yeah. you know he look he might be a fixer for telling people how it is or whatever. But Marty is fucking doing malpractice for sending this guy in. If this is how yeah. he's a bull in a fucking china shop. This is your right, right. this is your cash cow client, and he's in there going, yeah, it fucking sucks, doesn't it, man? He got his dick out. That's but look, yeah. look, look. He's on he's on his meds. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat. Don't sweat. Yeah. What the fuck? You have to send, if not Marty himself. Marty personally, send, gone. You're right. yeah, on that the would plane. Be, that would be the one. Yeah. Right. It, it's it's Marty himself or another very senior partner, like managing committee partner, out there to talk to Tilda Swinton's character while Michael Clayton <laughs> cleans up nuts. the fucking mess. <laughs> You're right? You let him nuts. do what he's good at, which is collect yeah. Arthur and get him on his meds and all that shit. You while send you the plumber the to go deal with the fucking Queen of England, you dipshit. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> that was that was questionable move, right? So this client has a document that they're going to kill all your attorneys to not see, <laughs> which you would think if you're the relationship partner, you go, I got this part. Well, but he doesn't know about the document yet, right? Which is which is an, a, again an indictment of uh, Arthur's plan here. I mean, let me <laughs> let me just ask you, Tark. So, like, I mean, you, we, we've I think we've already talked about you having some kind of GC role, so it's not you know. Uh, it's not a topic that's off the table. What about this, right? So, like, you have a relationship partner that you have hired that you expect to be handling some big fucking crisis, and then you get sent some, you know, special counsel uh, who's got no bedside manner and, you know, doesn't look like he slept in three days? I'm sending a very passive-aggressive email. (laughs) (laughs) That's your response for everything. Given our long history together. Right. um, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so Tim already brought up that Arthur at some point is now talking with Michael Clayton's kid about this uh, fantasy series that is a bit of a background symbolism to the to the story. Right. But I think an interesting thing that's going on here structurally is what Tim mentioned, which is like, why is he talking to Michael Clayton's kid on the fucking yeah. phone? <laughs> I went back and checked this because I couldn't quite figure out what the relationship was. Like, apparently the kid calls his dad and Arthur picks up. Right. And the uh, kid starts t- telling Arthur about realm and conquest which is sort of like magic the gathering meets wow uh and of course like all i want to do now is play realm and conquest right (laughs) that sounds cool it's a dream world where like like sort of warriors have all been transported and wizards and like nobody knows who's who and uh, every person for themselves i did kind of automatically shut it off because because i do play video games and it just sounded like a shitty mobile free-to-play game that like <laughs> is just like a like, it's, it's like phony like, or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah it's those things that children spend a lot of money on because it's legalized yeah. gambling for children basically right that's what it sounded like to me i mean we've talked a lot about the way this is true to life and i thought one of the most true to life scenes in this was actually earlier when michael clayton is driving his kid 
and the kid is explaining the book to him. Yeah. And he's and, like, and yeah, 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 could not yeah, give okay, a book. Okay, whatever. Oh <laughs> him and we're like, yeah, I'll check it out and, uh, you know, just leave me the, a copy. And he's like, I already left you a copy. <laughs> and it's like such a perfect, like, that is exactly how dads, I, like, I wrote in my notes that that's, 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 that's got to be how Tarek is with his kids. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Are you suggesting <laughs> that I am a divorced, uh, stretched, uh, financially lawyer with a child who's trying to explain anime to me and I'm half listening. Just trying to play games. That is incorrect. Like, yeah, that all might does sound real good. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. That sounds, wow, that is a crazy story. Absolutely. I've never ignored one of my children explaining Danganronpa to me. <laughs> Let me just say that. With absolute clarity. That's a good streaming game. You could do that and then yeah. you can start talking to them about that. There's thieves, great mages, unbidden warriors, dark avians, riverwinders, and sappers. There's like 15 different characters, okay? Okay. And nobody has any alliances. You can't even say who you are because you don't know. Maybe the person you're talking to, maybe they're like your mortal enemy in the wars. So it's just completely like everybody for themselves. Sounds familiar. What happens next is uh, Clayton has scooped up Arthur, uh, has him in his hotel room. Uh, Arthur is talking on the phone with his kid about this uh, fantasy world. Uh, Arthur then escapes. And uh, the question is, where is Arthur's briefcase? Uh, turns out it's in the possession of Tilda Swinton, uh, Karen, the GC. Right. right. And she's going through it, and she finds the kind of memo that, you know, again, uh, if we can hearken back uh, in the A-Lab pantheon to saint frank <laughs> this is not a memo uh, you want to be you want to be writing this is uh, this is the type of memo you would burn an entire warehouse down in order to destroy all yeah. evidence of it like absolutely I mean, to, to be, without this question. is the kind of memo you don't have exist in the, you pay off the scientists to say hey don't write that down like right, write exactly. down the opposite write down the opposite of what you're going to write down here's right. enough money for seven years and if I can, just a little practice point for everybody. This is why, in this circumstance, you let the legal department hire the scientists. Right. And the right. scientists <laughs> give you yeah. oral updates on their analysis uh, day after day. And then you decide whether or not you want the scientists to write it down or not. Right. What they do here instead is the scientist goes, hey, I'm running into a problem here, which is this thing causes cancer like a motherfucker. A lot of uh, cancer. Fucking yeah. incredible cancer-causing uh, substance we've invented here. <laughs> it does two good things really well. It kills weeds and causes cancer. Right, so so this substance, it does it, it's, it's immediate and unexpected uh, development of cancer. And... Uh, yeah. I, what I need is somebody else to come down here and make a call about whether look it's going to cost an enormous amount of money to redesign this thing to fix the molecule that does it yeah. so somebody yeah. else is going to have to make that call I'm just telling you yeah we have a we have a cancer generating substance here and then that memo has a bunch of signatures on it among them Don Jeffries the guy who is now right, CEO yeah. of the former fucking GC company. current right. CEO right Don you fucked Don, up Don you fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yes so so Karen current GC Sees this memo in Arthur's shit and is like, has a moment of like, things, things are, are, are not good. 
right? She has this moment. This yeah. guy broke down in the middle of a deposition, stripped naked. He was yelling nonsense. He has the most damaging possible document uh, to yeah. our case in his possession. Like, what's going on? And that document's so not she... supposed to exist. That document right. was, quote, right. lost in a fire. Right, right, right. And she's, yes. and she's and she's connecting the dots. She realized Arthur right. saw that, and that's what that's the the straw that broke the camel's back. Thing. Yeah, she's starting to understand Correct. like where where Arthur's head is right now. Uh, you know, not just up in the clouds, uh, but that like there's something going on, and, and she's concerned. Right. And that something is that they were concealing a cancerous <laughs> uh, substance, and that it's yeah. about to be public. Not great. So, <laughs> so she calls in some professionals. Uh, a number she got from from Don, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. In his old role as C- as GC, yeah. apparently had this this <laughs> number. Were these guys like part of legal? Kids. Like, were they in house assassins or something? I never. Really I think got they're like BlackRock, <laughs> right? Like, it's like yeah. BlackRock? It's like a merc- <laughs> They're external Not BlackRock. Not, not Black. <laughs> the fucking... Blackstone. Yeah. What is it? Blackwater. Yeah. Blackwater. Blackwater. Black yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like BlackRock. No, they're what's the difference? No, yeah. they're, it's all the same thing. It's Blackwater. They're like Blackwater, Blackwater right? Yeah. So, they're just like Tark, old... It's Eric Tark, when you guys when you sure. guys call these people, is this kind of, Do they get this right? Like, So he says, uh, he says, listen, I'm going to upload an, an encryption package, and then they meet and stuff. Is this how you guys do it, or...? Does that go another way? Andy, I know you're trying to quote-unquote own me with this, <laughs> but here's the deal. A very sophisticated general counsel in this situation is not calling Eric Prince to start <laughs> whacking people. A very sophisticated general counsel in this position is going to Don and saying, Don, baby, you're finished. <laughs> we- it's tar- It's Tarek time. <laughs> 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 We are just, Does that get put in a passive aggressive email We are dropping well? the anvil on your head. You are eating yeah. every yeah. fucking ounce of this. Yeah. Don, the board has lost confidence in you. Uh, and at the same time, has gained an enormous <laughs> amount of confidence That's in right. me, the guy who just released the memo you sent. Yeah. <laughs> this, to me, is the least realistic part of the movie. I will say Karen shits the bed in a number of ways, even if that's not the yeah. right well, move. This yeah. is not the right movie. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, no. I, think, I think there's Pro- a- probably the one thing you can do that would make this worse is commit a bunch of the worst crimes possible mm-hmm. in exchange for money. That's yeah. maybe some of the, I mean, the worst idea you could have. I, I think we're supposed to understand that she feels very loyal and indebted to Don. Leaving aside that, you know, having people murdered is a crime and probably uh, uh, also uh, against the ethical rules, ooh. you know, like <laughs> at, at this point, again, Dude, I mean, zealous the, advocacy. This is the <laughs> easiest choice you could. I mean, you, you represent, and this is a thing, actually, if I can distill this down to a, a genuine practice point, mm-hmm. you struggle with this all the time. For sure. In house. Who is your client? Is it the guy in the chair? Is it the chair? You know, is it the department? Is you know, like who who do you represent here? And I, the way I have always resolved it is I represent the logo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, Don has betrayed the logo. Uh, Don got it. Go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if that benefits me, all the better. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a, I had a similar thing where I was on an internal review and I found an email that was very damning to a partner who had like taken me under his wing. And I did wrestle with like, you know, isn't like I said, I, I, this was like a million document review. And I was like, I, you know, 
no one will ever find this. <laughs> like if yeah. I don't, if I don't flag this and if I don't just, raise yeah, it, if you just go back to bed, yep. yeah, it's just going to disappear into the ether. Um, but you know, I, I did, I thought about that. Um, but I did raise it and the firm handled it and it wasn't a big deal at the end. We, you know, it, that's right. So like, but I get it. I get that. I get that urge, that moment of like, I can't screw this guy. You know, this guy is, has been a major benefactor for me. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. It's that, you know, you sort of overreact to the oh, oh my god, they found the memo. Right. Let me hire the assassins and get the I mean, but <laughs> well, well, I mean, for, to be fair, I mean, to be fair to Tilda. First they were just monitoring. They were just trying to figure out what the fuck this guy is up to, right? But the cor- I mean, the corporate the corporate world, the real world, you know, the capitalism machine mm-hmm. Has the ability to just absorb oh, the most fucked up shit you can absolutely and keep yeah. moving. Right, it's really his signature. Mm-hmm. Where's the original? We had a warehouse fire five years ago. We lost a number of documents. What the hell is this doing in Arthur's bag? Well, I don't know, Marty. That's something I was. Hoping you might be able to tell me. About this scene, it's really interesting watching because in one sense, there's nothing remarkable going on in this scene. It is cold, calculating Mm -hmm. assessment of the damage that the piece of evidence you've uncovered could do to the client, could do to the firm. Uh, Producing something like this late in the litigation is not good. Having something like this Mm -hmm. and having not produced it, also not good. The substance Mm -hmm. of it is not good. Everything is bad. (laughs) It's a perfectly reasonable (laughs) client meeting given the situation and the explosiveness of that memo. But from outside mm-hmm. a human perspective, if you're not a lawyer thinking about a consult, neither of these people is having anything like a human reaction to this moment, right? right. This document right. is, right. we straight up murdered people, we didn't give a fuck, we knew about it, the CEO signed off on it, and we said, well, look, it would be really expensive to not murder them. Uh, and right. neither of them is remarking on that at all. They're just like, Jesus Christ, guy had in his bag. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. The, two, the two scandalous <laughs> things for them are one, that Don signed it, and two, uh, that Arthur had it in his briefcase. Totally unprofessional. Right. The two yeah. things that should be scandalizing them, yeah, is the content and the fact that it it, it, it should have been destroyed in a warehouse. Fire, <laughs> right. right. Those are the things that any normal human being would be like, are you fucking kidding me? So this <laughs> right? goes to your point, Tark, that like the yeah. system is perfectly capable of absorbing all kinds of fucked up shit. And these people are just yeah, total I mean, agents of it because they're watching it going. They're just moving to the uh, the most bloodless predator style evaluation of the problem. It's yeah. just a, it's just another break in the case that needs to be managed, right? right? Like there's not right. that's a very good point. Like no one ever in this movie says holy fuck, except Arthur. Except for Arthur, maybe. But as we said, I think mostly he's just horny and wants an escape. This whole thing gets amplified more because later the people at the firm get together to have some drinks after Arthur ends up murdered, which he does. Uh, and Marty says to to Michael Clayton as they're sitting down, he's like, "Listen, I've been working with this guy for thirty years, and you know he was a bull. I don't, I don't, I don't see how he killed himself or anything, but that must be what happened." He goes, "But look, I don't want to say it since I've known this guy thirty years, but I think we caught a lucky break. I mean, the guy has right. no fucking soul at all. Like nobody even struggles with the sort of vestigial remnant of a soul. Yeah. 
Nobody even has kind of a shudder as the last scale of humanity drops off of their fucking, you know, moldering skeleton. We did jump ahead a little bit to talk about uh, Arthur's death because it was relevant to the Marty conversation. But in the plot where we're at, remember where we're at, Arthur is not dead yet. I think we're coming to one of Michael's favorite scenes in the movie, as I understand it, which is the confrontation between Arthur and Michael in the street with the the bread yeah, the forty five hundred <laughs> baguettes. So good. It's yeah. so good. So good. It is one of my favorites. It's so good on so many levels. Yeah. So just to get us there, I think um, Arthur gets back home to New York. They they move him from Wisconsin to New York, even though he was missing. But then he goes missing again, and that's uh, Marty calls Michael to to say like, "Hey, you really got to get Arthur in line." And so uh, Michael starts looking for him while Arthur basically has uh, a normal day for Andrew Yang's New York mayor campaign uh, where he's just hanging out in Times Square. He's taking, the, he's taking the cab to the Statue of Liberty. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Right, right. Michael happens upon him and in this alley. And I mean, there's just so many details on this that are so great, which is like – Michael sees him, one, he's carrying, like, a bag with, like, 30 baguettes in it. Like, an yeah. insane number <laughs> so of baguettes, which is just, like... great, great visual. It's just, like, a great detail for, like, you know, someone in the midst of a manic episode. Like, just the way <laughs> their bread mind works. so good. Works. You're gonna love yeah. this bread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this bread's so great. I want so I've many... I've never tasted bread like that. God, but what, yeah. what, what's so good about that is the turn, right? It sets up the turn because he's totally manic about the bread, and he's like, this is the best bread I ever tasted. You try it. And then, like, yeah. Michael says one thing, tapping on the window yeah. here, and he gets fucked by Arthur immediately. Yeah. Right, that's, right. That's a really good part. Yeah, yeah. So so Michael's saying, like, look, I'm not the bad guy here, right? Like, I'm I'm here to help. Let's talk about this. Let's just have a conversation, and we'll go from there, you know? Um, Arthur, Arthur drops a great line to his best friend. He says... You know, Michael, you have a very rich and interesting life. It's <laughs> like an incredible thing to say to his friend. But uh, when Michael gets like a little bit threatening, right? He's like, "Look, I'm your I'm your last option here, right? Like, you have no good you there there's so many good options. You have your arms wrapped around the worst one. You need to like just come with me and we need to talk." And Arthur like detects a hint of a threat. And immediately diagnoses it as, like, they want to get me civilly committed uh, as a danger. And just fucking reads Michael, the, the like, the statute from the yeah. top of his head. Yeah. Like, hey, if you want to get me committed, you, you fucked up. You should have never let me leave Wisconsin. And he just starts yeah. going through, like, the, the factors that New York considers, what they would need, why he has no record, why it would never happen. It just he goes into lawyer mode and and it's the first moment where you're like, okay, this guy is a fucking. This badass. guy was probably this pretty guy, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This guy is a great lawyer. He is whip smart. Like knows his shit. And Michael's outclassed. Michael's outclassed. The best lawyer in this is Arthur. Absolutely. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. he's the only guy who can work a case. He's the only like he's like that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, the, there there is this kind of guy out there. Right. And, and like everybody else kind of like orbits him and leeches off him to a different degree in the case of like a, a, a Marty, right? Like makes way more money than him. But 
there's like the, the the thing I like about Arthur is he's the only guy doing real work. Right. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like nobody, else, none of these other lawyers have a real fucking job. <laughs> right. Right. They're, it's awesome. totally true. They're, it is. There's an, we see another scene with Michael at work when he's not, like, salty. And it's just, like, talking to people who need, like, visas or who need whatever, yeah. right? And he's like... A carry permit. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I know the right people. I know how this works. If you go through the right channels, it's going to take months. I know who you need to talk to. And, right? And, and, like, that's what he is. He's a guy who knows how shit works. And he knows all all the right people in all the right places. And that's his Which job. Which Arthur sums to... up on the street in that conversation with him is going, listen, Michael, you're a great guy, but you're a bag man, not an attorney. If you wanted to get me committed, right. you needed to do this. You didn't fucking do it. Right. It's it's killer. It's a great scene. One plot piece that's important of this, uh, that's important to, to, we can't leave this conversation without talking about, is that uh, Michael confronts him about the fact that he appears to be calling uh, one of the plaintiffs. He's calling this young girl mm-hmm. plaintiff. And yes. so and so yeah. Arthur's response <laughs> to chased. this is not to be, you know, weirded out or, or you know, not not to realize that his conduct is bad or anything. <laughs> yeah. He just goes, how can you possibly know that? How can you know who I'm calling? You're tapping my phone. Marty's tapping my phone. This is a really important thing because it drives what Arthur does next. Now, of course, it right. is fucked up, and he is calling mm-hmm. a young girl plaintiff, which practice point, you know, Ex parte communications with an opposing represented mm-hmm. party. It's a party you know to be represented. Not, yeah. not good. Not great. Mm-hmm. And and also can get you yeah. is one of the things. One of the quickest things that will get you absolutely kicked off a case. Uh, I thought you were going to say get you murdered by a Blackwater. It could do that, but, but generally. <laughs> Litigants get their choice of counsel, uh, and, and mm-hmm. it's very hard to get somebody kicked off a case by motion. But one of the things that will absolutely do it is talking substance with a party you know mm-hmm. to be represented. Look, that party, that party's attorney can just file a motion, and if you meet those factors, it is it is entirely possible with that on that fact pattern for the court to just say, this entire firm is off the case. Go get a new lawyer. Yeah. Fuck off. But you won't get this part. Well, that's next. That will come later probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you don't get this barred for that. You only get this barred for commingling client funds and I think funds. flying <laughs> a young girl to New York with intent to deliver. I, I will bet you one hundred thousand dollars. Not, not that you'll just get censured. <laughs> I, now it's not going to come up, but I'm going to say I would. I would probably take that bet. I think Arthur would get disbarred. I think Arthur would probably get disbarred no. here. No. I think I think the memo. I think reading the memo out loud and doing all that is maybe the more uh, yeah exactly kind of a moot point. <laughs> I don't know. He made, he did that on his own voicemail. I'm with Tarek. I don't think I don't see disbarment here. I see no. I see penalties for sure. The ex parte flying the the young girl plaintiff out with the intent no. to make no. the, uh, the opposing side's case and just deliver a brief. Unless you're commingling funds in New York, yeah. no way. No, plus <laughs> plus. He has mitigating. He has mitigating circumstances, which is that he's off his meds and in the midst of it. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a reason which in is, favor of disbarring him. <laughs> what the fuck? No, that's a no. Courts, courts no, all that's the time give consideration to people question. in the midst of depression. Exactly. Or Many episodes, people can, but sure. if you're gonna go off your meds and have this kind of impact on your client's case, like they are gonna start to take it into consideration as to whether your fitness to, to practice. I, 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 you're, 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 uh, let me, let me, Andy. Let me put it this way. I think it's more realistic that his client had him murdered by mercenaries than <laughs> any, any notion that he would be disbarred for this. Oh, my God. I don't know. Would you guys like a little bit of legal advice? Never let a scientist use the words unanticipated and immediate 
in the same sentence. Okay, okay. In-house field studies have indicated that small short-season farms dependent on well water for human consumption are at risk for toxic particulate concentrations at levels significant enough to cause serious human tissue damage. Well, this is a long way of saying that you don't even have to leave your house to be killed by our product. We'll pipe it into your kitchen sink. The, the reason I, I, I made sure to hit that point about the the phone tapping is because the right. next thing that Arthur does is uh, call the voicemail over at the firm and it says, Ken, you've reached Kennerbach and Ladine or whatever. And he starts leaving this long uh, voicemail with some music playing. He's like, are you guys ready? And starts reading the riot act about what's all fucked up about this case. He gets some music from, from like a U North video. It's like, yeah, there's a scene of him like rewinding, <laughs> rewinding and, replaying and recording to, to like North put it to tape. Song. Yeah. <laughs> It's Which so is good. a very man, a very manic. Yeah, so thing. he starts explaining <laughs> yes. from the memo that okay, introducing this memo. Let me give you a little practice point. Never use the word. Never let a scientist use the words immediate and unexpected in the same sentence. Uh, and then right. explains that this stuff is a cancer delivery system. Uh, and he reads off the whole memo and explains how fucked the client is at this point onto the voicemail. Right. Now this is bad because his phone has been tapped as he's as he's guessed, but not by Marty. It's been it's been tapped by the hitman Karen hired. They run the recordings right. back to Karen, who now says we have a fucking problem. And, and so she gives them the go ahead to you know not just record him and follow him, but to just get rid of him. Right. In- Mind you, on the in the middle of a busy Manhattan street, using language that is maybe I would say slightly more sophisticated than those uh, Michigan militia guys we talked about the other day. <laughs> it really yeah. could have been just anyone just being like, "Hey, they talked about uh, taking drastic measures for like five minutes." Over it there. reminded me of like <laughs> it, it reminded me of like the end of a like like an awkward end of a date where like you're kind of both into it, but you're not. You kind of haven't drawn yeah. your guns yet, and you're like, "I don't know. What are you looking at? I don't know. What are you looking at?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say the murder scene though is one of the more disturbing and unsettling scenes uh it's in, incredible in yes. any yeah. movie like i watch it and i'm like oh Very my good. god i could just be fucking murdered i remember nobody would ever know like it's so it's really uncomfortable to watch Right, so at this point, uh, I, there's some kind of is it like Michael circles up with Marty, and we find out that U North yeah. is now settling. Now, this is a this is a we finally get illuminated a scene that happened at the beginning of the movie because we got a glimpse into this settlement night uh, right at the beginning of the movie that we're now we've now reached in the plot. Um, remember, this conclusion is completely obvious. The minute that Marty read that read that memo, the next thing that you right. don't see on camera is him telling Karen, "There's no case here." I mean. Arthur was right. 100, we, you are fucked. Like, there is nothing for you to do but settle right. this case. Right. We have to turn this memo over. Yes. We can't destroy it. We can't sit on it. And they're going to fucking ream you in court with it. So you have to settle. This, like, that's it. This is the one thing that, like, I mean, we've given some credit to Arthur, but, like, what the fuck was Arthur thinking here? Just produce the fucking memo. Right. Just produce the memo. Yeah. It was supposed to disappear, yeah, it, but you have it now. You, the memo has to be has to be produced. Yeah, right. everything he did just created a bigger mess. And Michael confronts him about this in the baguette scene, basically telling him, like, hey, what you're doing doesn't make any sense. And right. And it, it, like like I said earlier, it's not really heroic. It's just this act of, like, desperation to try and wash your hands of it. But, like, any reasonable way of actually doing that is to, like, tie it up neatly. Yeah, you so go through, can actually walk you go away through some it. song and dance about saying, "Oh, we can't produce it because it's a, a trade secret." But the way that you announce to the other attorneys that it's a trade secret lets them know exactly what they need to write in their fucking brief, and then they get it. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. The drama in this is, is not from like how things work. It's like how this one mentally ill guy broke down. Right. Like it's like this guy saw this memo and was like, I have fucking wasted my life helping the very worst people and had a mental break. And instead of doing the easy thing to like right the wrong, he like, you know, went on this journey of, yeah, a combination of absolution and horniness right? <laughs> where he like he needed to be the hero right he didn't just need new yeah, north to right. lose he needed to be the hero and he needed to be the hero in general he needed to be the hero in the eyes of this plaintiff who he's decided is naive and innocent and perfect and if she sees him as a hero then he's absolved right then he's right then he's yeah. a good person and that's what he needs to be and so that's what he does is he tries in his fucking crazy way to like do this to to become yeah. a hero. Yeah, but he didn't need to do and any of that. Instead, he fucks everything. Just up. send it to like, opposing no. counsel. They'll make the videos. They'll make the dramatic thing. You don't get to be don't center go to a stage. Deposition. On it. Yeah, They'll figure just, it out. Don't worry. They're they're yeah. excited for this. You bring it to. No, this is another case where doing the right thing is incredibly. <laughs> yes, <easy>. right. <laughs> I have not yet in my career been in a position where I had to fight about something that really made me feel awful. Because in general, when you find that your client has fucked up, sometimes, I got to say, internally, it's good news. You know why? Because mm. if it's if they fucked up obviously and badly enough, great, I don't have to fight this. We're just going to settle. Right. We're going to settle the case. And that's the right thing to do. It gets money to the plaintiffs faster or whatever. It gets, you know, whatever whatever it is that, whatever the, the facts of your case, it, it rectifies the situation more quickly. Uh, it's good for all the parties. And, like, I don't now have to go kill my soul uh, by writing briefs about how great this is. I don't have to do the Neil Cott, y'all, and say, but maybe child slavery is good. Have you guys thought about that? Right. <laughs> yeah. So Arthur turns yeah. down good news in favor of uh, falling in love with a teenager, which is the next thing that happens. Arthur's dead. Michael Clayton calls Anna's mom, and Anna's, Anna's like, y- you talked up this girl. She's a young girl, and you've been talking her up and, and messing with her mind, and it's so messed up that you left her at the airport there. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, she's in New York. What do you mean? She's in fucking New York right now? So this is how Michael starts unraveling yeah. everything that Arthur was planning on doing and then understanding that he was going to be murdered. Michael mm-hmm. started connecting the dots once Marty announced that they were settling. He, he kind of right. realized, like, oh, Arthur's death. That, that he, re- he, he thinks that that Arthur would have never killed himself, right. basically. Right. And right. so what that death coinciding with the settlements kind of gets the gears turning for Michael. Uh, right. and and that's when he calls Anna and, and that's when he really realizes that he's onto something. Right. I, I I don't think we're gonna go into detail in the scene, but at one point he like breaks into Arthur's house and finds like a bottle of champagne and two glasses in, uh, in the fridge, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. And so like he knows that this guy was like, you know, he talked to him. 20 minutes earlier right with his bag of baguettes and like he's got all this champagne he's got this girl at the airport it's clear that he had plans right and those plans weren't offing himself they were I guess having sex with a teenager is what it appeared to me he was offing something (laughs) (laughs) now what's interesting here though is that we've already talked about Arthur's conduct here but now Michael then takes the following step, I guess because, like Tim has said, he's kind of figured out that Arthur was maybe murdered. Now, he takes a step that is now a problem for him professionally, which is he now contacts Anna. Remember, you're still working for the firm that's representing you, North. You still are not allowed to go have contacts, (laughs) especially related to the case. uh, With a representative party. I think here's a little more wiggle room because he's really talking about Arthur and what... You know what I mean? Like, you get kind of this weird kind of dancing around that. 
But he was really trying to figure out what the hell she was doing in New York. Right. He's trying to figure out what Arthur was doing as yeah, well. Yeah, well, that's like the kind of thing he should probably have an intermediary doing. He's got a cop brother. Somebody outside of sure. him <laughs> should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a little point. Well, little time, point. time was of the essence. Yeah. He, was yes. like, he was in a rush. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, so now the hitmen get concerned about uh, Michael Clayton digging around. They understand that he is now a problem. And now they take a step that I feel like starts to really go off the rails realism-wise because, you know, they've just gotten away with the murder of Arthur, okay? It was clean. People Mm -hmm. believe it was a suicide. The guy was having a mental health aspect. Uh, It it was – no one even knows that there was a murder, right? Now now they do something completely different, which is a fucking car bomb. They put a car bomb yeah, I, in. I didn't get that at that all. That is not a smart fucking move. I'll defend that. Uh, me too. All right, go I ahead. think I don't Okay, I was going to say. You're wrong. Go ahead. So Michael Michael accepts uh, an $80,000 bonus um, that he had previously asked for from Marty. And it's sort of understood yeah. that this is like a, uh, you know, it's without, without being said, it's like this is like a put the Arthur question to rest, right? Like Arthur's dead. It's, a, it's hush money. Yeah, it's hush money. It's like, all right, you're, here's your bonus. We're going to redo your contract and blah, blah, blah. You're fine. They literally give him an NDA. Yeah. Right. Uh, As part of it. But, uh, you know, the, the guys don't know this. What they know is that this is a guy mm-hmm. who's in with loan sharks, who has money issues Correct. with bad Correct. people. Um, they don't know that he just paid this guy off like an hour ago or, or whatever. Right. And so the car bomb makes sense. The car bomb will look like the car bomb is the mob. The mobsters. Right. Right. Like it, this money. guy, everybody yeah. knows he has money issues, right? Everybody knows that he's in with like bad people. That's a thing. Right. So there's an explanation for the car bomb that makes sense as, as an assassination tool. It's uh, with, a little weird in the movie. Cause when, when it happens, Marty gets the call and goes like, he got killed by a car bomb like he died from like a heart attack which is like i think people would react to that with a little more like oh shit like something must have yeah, really I'm, gone I, you know I, what I mean i, I hear bomb. you i hear you that there is a credible or, or you know an explanation that you can that a you can cite to on the other side but i think that like mm-hmm. they also know if they're doing their if they know enough that he's they know he's into the mob they know he's got a cop brother you're gonna kill these two people in quick succession now people are gonna start possibly wondering hey yeah, was arthur murdered yeah. was was arthur's death right. suspicious in any way that we should now be right. looking at now you're now you're uncovering suspicion on something you are you know that was already good money like what the fuck are you doing i don't think yeah. that yeah. that's a good move here yeah, yeah not to mention the police would go to a car bomb in upstate new york that's not that's not something that happens every day <laughs> Right. There would right. be an investigation. So Michael escapes the car bomb and he does. Um, so this is now now we're back to this start. Right. He drives up to Westchester. He get he he gets this call about this client. Yeah. He drives up to uh, Westchester. At, at the beginning of the movie, he's like hitting his GPS and it's like broken. But now we know that it's because those hitmen kind of like fucked with it to, to create the right. radio for the bomb. There's all that stuff. It's, it's replaying right. that stuff. And, and, yeah. and so he leaves this asshole's house and, he, and he's driving around, you know, uh, in like the idyllic rich, uh, you know, suburbs of New York at sunrise. Um, and he sees this horse on a hill, which is like an image he saw in his kid's book. Right. That that book that his kid was like pushing on him. The book that like Arthur became obsessed with after his kid told Arthur about it. Right. Is this horse on a hill. And he has this moment of mm. like emotional catharsis right like his best friend is dead uh his family life is in shambles he doesn't seem to have any personal life uh and it hits with him right and so he stops the car and he goes up to like look at the horses 
and and while he's there they detonate the bomb um and so he he escapes he he gets you know saved yeah. by that moment of like humanity like one of the first moments of him being like a human being we see yeah right like well like throughout this he's like managing his best friend not like relating to his best friend he's managing his best friend and ignoring his family right this is the first time he's acted like a human being and uh, it saves his life but it's not just the beauty and majesty of the horses it's it's the fact that his gamer son is into um uh, realm and conquest so I mean, really, gaming. <laughs> yes, that's right. Gaming it's, will save us all. That's right. <laughs> but I, I do, I do agree that this is the place where sort of the moral of the movie comes out. You know, the the moral of the movie, ultimately, I think, probably has little to do with the major plot. The moral's like, you need to get out of the bends, put down the cuffs, and and you know, go look at the horses. Spend spend more time at your dad's birthday party. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. stop blowing off your son for the fucking psycho at work or whatever. Uh, Right. You know, it's a, that that shit is all going up in flames, and the only thing you really have to hang on to is perhaps you know your human relationships, your human life, which I will say is in a very important Listen. lesson uh, for anybody who's thinking about entering the legal profession. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. I agree. Did you hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They closed you north. No, Michael Clayton. What? Car bomb upstate this morning. He was killed. What? Holy shit. Uh, so then he runs away. I, I do like that um, presumably the hitman got there and just saw like his wallet and didn't see a body. And they're like, yeah, probably. He's probably, probably completely dead. incinerated. This, this burned up wallet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think auto fires burn that. It was vaporized. Just, like, charbon <laughs> to, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, again, if you're trying to do this cleanly, you would think you'd want a body or some sign that he didn't just run away. Right. <laughs> well, maybe they weren't going to stay there too long. Whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to get back. Traffic's got to be real bad. The going to be all packed up. <laughs> Westchester going back into back into the city at at seven a.m. Man, that's fucking yeah. that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's New York. Look, man, this, one, this is in yeah. the bag. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, so the next thing that really happens is that we see Karen delivering the settlement proposal, and she's rehearsed this, and she's now talking to the board, and she's saying, "I think this is the strongest possible thing. It's as long as we bring this in under six hundred million dollars." Uh, we, you know, we're, this basically is going to pay for itself. Over the past several months, we had gotten word that the plaintiffs were growing impatient and were in the process of revising their settlement numbers. We also learned that the plaintiffs' attorney's fees were capped at 32%, up to $400 million, above which their fees dropped to 24%. So we knew that there would be this motivational dead zone for them in the middle there. Finally, our finance team informed us that they had run the numbers and that the tax benefit, provided that we bring this settlement in under 600 million and within this fiscal year, that the write-off on this settlement would essentially pay for itself. I applaud you, North, for having solid corporate governance. Right? Like, right. Uh, <laughs> this is a $600 million settlement. They're having the board sign off on it as opposed to just uh, Don. This is, uh, you know, I think you want to set materiality thresholds for board action. Uh, good on you, Karen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So she delivers, she delivers the proposal, and Don says, all right, well, give us a minute. Thanks for the intro. Why don't you go stand outside? 
and then she sees a ghost. Yeah. Because there's Michael standing there. It's very much It's very much like a Western, this last bit, to me. It's very much like a yeah. Western. I, I'm not yeah. the only person yeah. to have yeah. thought this, but I, uh, after I Googled it, I found some other people that said the same thing. But like, it's like this kind of shootout where even though it's it's masked and reskinned as you know a confrontation between two lawyers or whatever uh and it's all done in words there's very much like this titan person who you know the villain who's you know at the top uh or near the top of the corporate structure and just completely brought low uh and destroyed by you know this this little guy who had all the skills yeah. and maybe he was a flawed person but man you pushed him too far you fucked with him and that's it you're done so he basically Right, he like extorts her. He says you shouldn't have tried to kill him. Yeah. You should have tried to. I'm the guy you buy, right? Like I sold out my best friend for eighty thousand dollars, like, uh, you know. And now I want what? Ten, did he say ten million yeah. or five million? Ten million, because he goes, she goes like, give me a number, and he goes, ten is a number. Ten million, ten million, new kind of <laughs> right. new kind like, of dollars. She almost vomits dollars. on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, one thing we we missed, but we should probably bring up, is that Arthur printed out a ton of the copies yes. of that oh, report. Right. Yes, and and Michael had Michael had gone and and grabbed a, a copy of it. Uh, it was right. just like a, like a, a small business kinkos basically, and so Karen yeah. knows that like this widespread dissemination of this memo was like about to drop, right? And that right. and that Michael knew that as well. Right. When, when he picked that. him up, the guy was like, "Look, we we ran out of blue covers at five hundred, so we went with red yeah. covers for the remaining five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, like, I think this it, is like unreal it, number. It's the opposite. Yeah. And in this little shootout scene, he hands her another copy. Like, oh, have you read this? Like, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. That kind of epic movie stuff. And and so she basically agrees to to pay him. Uh, you know, several million dollars. Five for his silence. Yeah, she and says, I don't have ten. He goes, Earth. okay, how about five? She goes, maybe five. We could talk. He goes, sure. That five and then the other five is for the is, is for all the people you killed with the thing. Yeah. So you're giving me ten <laughs> either way. It's, like a, it's very good negotiations. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. He opens with awesome. ten. <laughs> she says, maybe five. And he's like, okay, five, but also another five. Yeah. You know, like, very, that's clever. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Uh, but then at the end, he reveals that, uh, you know, he's mic'd up. She's recorded. Um, she's going to jail, right? He's got in touch right. with his cop brother, um, and he's got the authorities with him. And uh, she basically confessed to murdering Arthur uh, and just was engaged in, like, obvious, like, you know, corporate uh, malfeasance right there. Which I will say, at least um, to your problems yeah. at this point, uh, once the other facts <laughs> start, uh, start tumbling out of this problem. Yeah. 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 I like that she sort of crumbles she does, as yeah. he walks away. She faints yeah, eventually. She, yeah. she, she takes a knee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every every single performance in this movie was killed. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Sure. Spot she got an Oscar. On. Even, like, the supporting characters. Every single one was, like, fucking perfect. Yeah. You know you know who I really liked? Uh, we've talked about him a lot in this, but Sidney Pollock as Marty is just incredible. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely Because perfect. he has this, just like, deep on. humanity and extreme likability just on his face. He's got, you know, a real baritone voice, and, like, he seems really friendly. And then if you think at all about what he's doing, you're just like, this guy is no fucking soul. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, the he's probably the most right. evil one. Yeah. Even though he hasn't done anything. Yeah. Early on, like, you get the sense that he's a decent guy and he's friends with Michael and then uh, later on, you find out that he views Michael as just like a disposable asset and uh, has no humanity at all. And it's like a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what a big law partner is like. <laughs> well, I like I liked I, I really like the scene where Michael, at, you know, in the middle goes goes to his townhouse. Mm hmm. 
and he says, "I know that I know you're merging the firm. You know, I know a guy like me. Uh, you got to get me move me into litigation or something so I can explain to the new people what I do." Right. And Marty's like, "You know, look, you have a niche. You know, like this is what everybody wants is a niche, man. You know, and I'd hate for you to move into litigation and find out that you're not that good at what you you're not that good at, you're not as good as you thought you were. Right. After all, right? And I, there's just something so great Perfect. about him just defining Clayton. Right. So, yeah. For him, for himself, right. you know, for Clayton. Right? Right. Like, I've decided that you're just this Queens DA that we hired to get people guns, yeah. gun licenses, you know, carry license. And, you know, that's a niche for you. And if you think you can do anything else, right. you're just. Uh, Miss, it's just uh, you know the the high school yeah. football. You let yourself hero. believe <laughs> that there was something else going on there, and that there maybe there was some deeper potential, but there wasn't. Yeah. I've looked into your soul. This is all you are. This is all you'll be, and you're in the right place. Yeah. You know. I take all of that into this final shootout scene where he destroys them and then walks away, like the you know the <laughs> the the troubled gun, you know lone gunman or whatever, um, the troubled gunman gunslinger, and I think that like. There's something a little suspicious about it as an attorney now where the movie is kind of blowing smoke up your ass. It is like you are Mm – if you're this person, this is what every attorney wants to believe about themselves, right? Like I could have been there. I could have been there. Okay, maybe things didn't work out or maybe some greedy person stuffed me down and didn't let me get to the top. But, bro, if they had actually tried me, if it ever came down to it, I would absolutely fucking destroy them. I would pull out the gun and and I would win any draw – and I would I would quote the I would quote the right law. I would fucking I would take out my phone camera and destroy that GC if I, if I were ever fucking <laughs> tested. And it's like it's yeah. very romanticized and wanting to believe about yourself that uh, you have more skills and more potential than perhaps you've demonstrated in your life. And so I find something about that a little bit suspicious. Yeah. I, I, a guy like Michael probably would have just, like, gambled for, like, two weeks and, like, forgotten all about it. And like, oh, <laughs> shit, I, should, I forgot about those yeah. copies. And now I don't have money to pay for them. Fuck. I think the better ending would be that he he shakes her down for $10 million. Five million becomes a more realistic number. He takes the five million. Well, I like the ending, and I think it's a great movie, and I think it works as it is. What I'm saying is that everyone is allowed to enjoy this, unless you're an attorney who's romanticizing this as as if it you relate to it, (laughs) or if it's something like you, or you believe that it could be about you. You're being fucking. You're having sunshine blown up your ass. You you would no. You're wrong. You would fuck this up. You wouldn't. You wouldn't stick the landing. (laughs) Yeah, you could be. You wouldn't do the moral (laughs) thing. You wouldn't do any of this fucking shit. You know, at one point in the movie, his brother is pissed at him. His cop brother's pissed at him and, and says, you know, you got all these lawyers. This is the line. Yeah, yep. You got all these lawyers thinking you're, an, you're a cop. You have all these cops thinking you're a lawyer. Uh, but only you know what you really are. Right. Which right. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how you guys read that. I read that as that he's a fucking crook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what he really is. He's a a criminal. (laughs) Well, it's you know, I mean, if if you can claim neither kinship with lawyer nor uh, yeah, you're doing okay. The context was that he was arrested, (laughs) right? Like that—that was the context was he was arrested, and and the implication is what he does as a lawyer is a lot of stuff that's like 
very borderline legal, right? And uh, right. I think that's yeah. He came, he came full circle, right? He, <laughs> he well, it was sort of a class analysis too. I think, right? Like he was like he comes from this family of like cops, yeah, for sure. And was a Queens, D- like he went to Fordham and you know St. John's or whatever, and like, right, you know, was at Queens DA and. For- and so I think like this this notion that he he's not really welcome in the home of the you know, blue collar you know police family, nor is he really uh, in on it at the firm. He's just sort of a nobody. Yeah, like even um, if he was hot shit as like an appellate lawyer in the Queens DA or whatever, like he has the class background of someone who would not be a partner at Kenner Bach. Right. Right. That's right. right. Like maybe he could have. And, he did, right, and he's not. Yeah, maybe yeah. he could have traded down to be a partner at like a smaller boutique firm or something if he wanted. Yeah. He but, his own uh, shingle. but right. But at that firm, no, yeah. it, it, he's just like, you know, that's not him. That, that they that's not who they look for. I do. I do like where the film leaves him that he, he walks out of this thing and obviously he's kind of shell shocked or, or, you know, he's he's done his moral duty. He's avenged Arthur or whatever. Um, and he gets in the cab mm-hmm. and he gives him, look, just fifty dollars, just just drive around, just just keep driving for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's to me this feeling going back to what I what I thought it was the moral earlier that like he really is at this point stopping to smell the roses, like he is stepping away from the accomplishment of the next task or the worrying about the next thing or the whittling away of his resources uh, and just. I guess contemplating or something. He's he's taking a moment. I, I think there's a very sort of something, uh, you know, sort of intentional about like, like the entire movie. He's like managing Arthur, and he's like working for the firm, and he's doing firm stuff. And this is like the first moment where you see him not caring about the firm, right? Like. He, he contacts his brother. He avenges his friend, right? He's like, he's acting as a person rather than as like an agent of this monster. Yeah. Um, he's also fired. And, yeah, I mean, and, he's fucking done. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's fucking done. But but why yeah. would you want to stay there? They like shrugged their shoulders at, at reports that you were murdered, right? right? Like, right. like yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. That, yeah that, the scene definitely. where Marty gets the call about Michael is amazing because his entire thing is just to blow air out of between his lips. He's like, right. Wow. He's just like, <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. yeah, like some raised eyebrows. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Definitely no That's That's a yikes for me, fam. <laughs> <laughs> this, this memorandum, even if it's authentic, which I doubt, I highly... Doubt. I know what you did to Arthur. It's protected. It belongs to you, North. I know you killed him. It's a cut-and-dry case of attorney-client. See, now that's just not the way to go here, Karen. For such a smart person, you really are lost, aren't you? This conversation is over. I'm not the guy that you kill. I'm the guy that you buy. Are you so fucking blind you don't even see what I am? I'm the easiest part of your whole goddamn problem, and you're going to kill me? Don't you know who I am? I'm a fixer. I'm a bag man. I do everything from shoplifting housewives to bent congressmen, and you're going to kill me? What do you need, Karen? Lay it on me. You want a carry permit? You want a heads up on an insider trading subpoena? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand and a three-year contract, and you're going to kill me? What do you want? What do I want? I want more. I want out. <laughs> 